So that conversation right there is, well, thank you. I love you too. Uh, that conversation right there is kind of the hinge point of the whole week. So, so far this week, we've been pressing in going like, okay, Jesus was a real person. God claims he's truth. Jesus did some things that made you sit up and go like, ah, is that real? And today is my favorite day because it goes from all about Jesus to all about you. And, but before we get there, one of the things that gets so aligned with God or church are rules. Have you ever felt like church or God has a lot of rules? Let me see your hands. If you're like, man, there's so many rules. How many think, or they've been to a church or they've been around a church. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's another church that just has super lame rules. Like you can't do that in church. You can't uh, be this way or do this thing or all this. Now, can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I, I have the privilege where I'm from in, in Atlanta is to lead a church. And I'll be in the church lobby as people are coming in and out and they'll be like, hey, you can't do that in church. And I was like, that's not a rule. I didn't know that was a rule and I seem to be in the position that would set the rules, but they're saying it's a rule. And I was like, who makes these rules? Like just the other day, um, we were in church and this six-year-old boy showed up in a full Spider-Man outfit, like full head, mask, everything. And every time you'd look around, it was the funniest thing because he would actually do this. Like I would sit there and just watch him out of the corner of my eye and he would get on a wall and he'd be like, just like this. And then he would go. And his dad would look at him because people were running around. He goes, hey, you can't be Spider-Man in church. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a rule. Like no one writing the church rules was like, hey, don't be Spider-Man. And here's the other crazy part. And I'm gonna tell you a dirty secret about people that work at churches. Um, when you all aren't there, we have a field day in the building that you all all have to be well-behaved in. In our auditorium, we have a balcony. And so we'll go in during lunch with a wiffle ball and wiffle ball bat, and we'll do home run derbies. And if you hit it in the balcony, then you, it's a home run and the most home runs wins. We've had drift go-karts in our church lobby before. Like when you guys aren't there, we're tearing it up. And yet you walk in and you'll go, hey, hey, don't run. And then you go to another church and they're like, you can run. Or, or they're, they're, you'll walk into your church auditorium or sanctuary, whatever you call it, and they're like, be respectful. And then you walk into this church auditorium and sanctuary, and they're like, go nuts. It's a club. And, 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 and you know, it, it, in your church auditorium, they're like, hey, don't look at someone the wrong way. In this church auditorium, they're like, hey, we're going to give you guns. Shoot each other. <laughs> so here, here's the question, right? Here's the question. What rules are the ones God cares about? What rules are we supposed to follow? What rules really matter? Because the rules came to, seem to be switching. They seem to be shifting. And we're kind of trying to figure out like, what do I do? What can I do? What, what is God cool with and what is God not cool with? And that's the question that John addresses in his writings. But I don't want to just read the story out of scripture because I think something's lost. 
And so I want to kind of set the stage for you. Jesus, it says the next day, Jesus is up teaching the people in the temple. Basically, he is in the church teaching people. And so he's doing what I am. It's dead silent in the audience as Jesus is teaching ideas that they had never heard before. And they're all locked in on what he says. And so Jesus is up here on the stage and he is telling people all these different things, right? And so they're locked in, they're listening, it's quiet. And then all of a sudden, bam, the doors kick in and you hear the shrill of a woman saying, no, 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 don't do this to me. And out of the sign or out of, out of the corner of your eyes, people just like you are looking back at the door. You see six grown men dragging a woman, feet lagging behind her, half-dressed because they caught her in adultery, which is just basically a biblical word for cheating with someone else's husband. And so she's embarrassed, she's ashamed, she doesn't know what to do. She's being manhandled by a bunch of men and she is being drugged and she is screaming and she is shouting and she's like, no, don't do this, don't do this. And the six guys get her and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. So here's the scene. A bunch of grown men in suits and ties standing over a woman full of shame, embarrassment, humility, trying to cover her body. And the grown men in their nice church Sunday best, they look at Jesus and they say this, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? I said, Jesus, there's a law that says we can kill her for what she did. Remember, yesterday we talked about women didn't have rights there. And so they don't blame the dude for this indiscretion. They blame the woman because she's just a piece of property. And so they bring this woman who they viewed as a piece of property. They throw at her feet and go, the law says we can kill her. You, oh mighty wise one, what do you say? She has violated the eighth commandment, seventh commandment, sorry. What do you say? Just like this, the crowd is silent. And they're just waiting for Jesus to give an answer. And John tells them like this, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Here's why it's a trap. These guys didn't go find some kid mouthing off to their parents. They didn't find someone who was caught in a little white lie. They waited till they could find the worst moral failure possible. I imagine they were outside the house. They got word about the indiscretions of this woman, the bad decisions she was making. And they waited until the moment they could humiliate her. Because in this day and age, this was worse than murder because you had a piece of property messing up the morality of the man. Most says you can kill her. Because women were disposable. And so they picked the right sin with the most angst tied to it. They said, Jesus, what do we do? Now, before you get really 
self-righteous. We do this, don't we? We like to look at other people's worlds and go like, can you believe that? Did you know this happened? Did you hear the story about him? Do you know what she said? Do you know what they did? We like to elevate certain things really, really high and go, God is so mad about that. And Jesus does something incredible. The Bible says this. You've got all this chaos, right? You guys are even wondering, like, well, what happens? Jesus squats down. And he starts just playing in the dirt. These guys are furious. They're so mad because he won't answer them. They're like, we have you. You got to answer. They're yelling at him. Jesus, what is it we should do? The rules say. Here's an immoral woman in a holy place. What do we do with her? Jesus, cool as can be. doodling right here. And this is how I see it. Finally, one of the temple priests, the leaders, the people in their Sunday best, grab Jesus by the shirt, drag him up to where Jesus finally takes his gaze off the ground and looks the man in the eye. The man who's so angry, so mad, so frustrated, and Jesus, as cool as cool could be, this is what he said. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up. Jesus says, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. After he drops that line, Goes right back to drawing and just letting it all play out and letting them make the decision of what they wanted to do. Here's the amazing part about what Jesus did in that moment. They wanted to know, Jesus, what do we do with the worst of the worst? And here was the trap. Because Jesus was talking about this idea of forgiveness, this idea of there's a new way to God. There's an idea that the rules don't matter. And so they knew if he said stone her, they, had, they were right. They were like, the rules matter, Jesus. The laws matter, Jesus. But if he said, no, 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 let her go, then all of a sudden he is saying the holiness of God, mean the perfection of God doesn't matter. And so they had him between a rock and a hard place. And so Jesus doesn't answer the question. He expands the circle. They're like, what do we do with the worst of the worst? Jesus goes, no, I don't think that's the right question. And he puts it back on them. You who are without sin, you can kill her. You who have never messed up, kill her, take her life. You have the right. Here's the interesting part. You know, one of the things that we miss is what Jesus meant when he said sin. 
Sin, I always thought, was a morality term. It's good, evil, right, wrong. But it's not. It's an archery term. And it simply means miss the mark. It's not a moral word. You know, sometimes we'll look at people and be like, sinner. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He's like, no, 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 no. Did you hit the mark or did you miss the mark? It's a perfection term. And so this is what happens. When Jesus expanded the circle, the accusers heard this and they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with just the woman. Then Jesus stood up again, looked her in the eye, treated her like a human being, which is so crazy. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Said, no, Lord. Said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So here's the dynamic that's happening in this moment. They wanted to look at bad morality. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Your heavenly father is more perfect. It is a larger dynamic than you think. You either hit the mark or you miss the mark. Let me show you what I mean. Um, who's the best basketball player in this camp? Like you would, like legit, like the best. Hey, would you validate my man in the blue is the best basketball player? Can you dribble, shoot? No. <laughs> All right. Are you the best basketball player in the camp? Hey there. What? Come on, come on. Oh, uh, you don't want to? All right. I need someone that is, that is good and can play. My man, the hat. Come on, come on, right here, right here. All right, come on. Come on up here. Actually, well, I'll meet you back there. Here's what I want to show you about what Jesus was saying. Cooper, throw me that ball real fast. Well, nope, throw it at you. So here's what Jesus is saying that sin is. It's a simple definition. There's a standard, and I'll set the standard, all right? The standard is if you don't miss a shot, I'm not going to play defense, but you don't miss a shot, I'll buy you coffee. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. Hume will buy you coffee for the rest of the week. <laughs> Maddie, is that cool? Sure. Um, so here's the deal. All you got to do, and I'll make it super easy, just stand right there. Shoot. Just don't miss. I, okay, hold on. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to give you another shot. Hey, show me how good of a dribbler you are. Just dribble. Yeah. So he's got the behind the leg or through the legs, behind the back, all that stuff. So he can handle the rock, man, right? Can you pass? Can you hit me on a target? Yep, right there. Pass again. Spot on. Whoopsie. I'm not the best basketball player. All right. Now, he can dribble. He can pass. Start with a layup. I'll give it to you easy. Just start with a layup. There it is. He can make a basket. Keep shooting layups. Just shoot, shoot another layup right there. Perfect. Now, just stand right here and shoot. Don't miss. Great. Do it again. Great. Do it again. Great. Do it again. So here's the point. Stun no, no, no. Don't go away. I need you still. Did you know experts say that in the middle of a day, you will make 35,000 decisions? 35,000 decisions will go through your brain. Some of them are subconscious, meaning you just do it out of habit. 
Some of them you think about 35,000 times. You have to make a decision. And some of them are super easy. They're that shot right there. Super easy shot. Shoot it. Shoot it. Shoot it again. Can I just dunk it? No, you can't dunk it. Some of them are hard. You got pressure. Come over here. Some are hard decisions. Shoot it. And sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it right. Man. There it is. Keep going. And sometimes you miss. You can sit down. Give that student a hand. So here's what Jesus was saying. Here's what Jesus was saying. When he looked at that crowd, he used a term they all understood. He said, if you make every basket, you can throw a rock at her. But if you miss one, one time, whether you were lazy, whether you weren't thinking about it, whether it was on accident or whether it's on purpose, just one miss, it's not on you. And Jesus, he had a high standard. It wasn't just actions, it's thoughts, it's attitude, it's the heart behind what you did. On the surface, it may look like you nailed it, but inside, you know, man, you weren't, you weren't there. Jesus goes, it's not only did you hit your shots on the outside, it's inside. Are you aligned with God? Now, here's what we do as humans. Jesus asks the questions, did you hit the mark? And you go, oh, but Jesus, look how good I can dribble. I can do all this stuff right here. I can, whoop, I can do all this. Look at me dribble. Roll through the legs, through the legs, all through the legs, through the legs. Come on, look at this, look at this. You know, I can win the game. I'm the best in the class. He's like, no, 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 it's not the question. Did you hit every shot? But Juice, you don't understand it. I'm the first pick of the team. I always, I'm the best of the best of the best. It's not the question. Did you hit every shot? That was the standard. That was the moment. And every person in that room, regardless of how good they looked, knew they couldn't say they hit every shot. And because of that, they took the ball and they walked away. So here's the question for you. It's not a matter of how great of a baller you are. It's a statement of perfection. First night we talked about it. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That word set up light and darkness. It's either it's light or it's not. It's either pitch black or it's not. You made your shots or you didn't. It's a perfection statement. So here's the question for you. Are you perfect? Could you throw the rock? So we're gonna do something different. I'm gonna bring Elijah out here. And he's going to play some music. And in here, we got three buckets of rocks. And here's what I want you to do. During this music, 
I want you to come up and I want you to pick up a rock. And I want you to ask this yourself this question. If I was in the center of this story, could I throw a rock? There's no maybe, well, ah, possibly, could have, if the circumstances are right. It's a yes or no. Did you make every shot? Could you throw a rock? And then I will tell you afterwards what that means. So what we're gonna do, he's gonna play. Everyone come up and get a rock. Hold on, no, 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 wait, wait, wait till you hear tell you everything, but I do love the excitement. Appreciate that. Do we have more of those Sharpies? Okay, she's got them. On that rock, I want you to write one reason you can't. The reason I want you to write it down is, is there's something that feels more real when we put it down on paper or a rock than it does in our head. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing. It doesn't have to be, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. It can be, man, I just didn't value this person. And Jesus says, everyone has value because I created them. I just had a bad attitude. Jesus says, look, everything you do is a sign of worship to me. So if you want to write something that's dark and that you're like, oh, I hate this, go ahead. If you just want to write something small, but pick up a rock. And maybe you are the one person that doesn't have anything on the rock. Maybe you and Jesus are perfect. Pick up a rock and don't write anything on it. And then introduce yourself to me after camp because I've never met one. So we're gonna take a couple minutes and then I'm gonna tell you what all that means for you. So come slowly, grab a rock, write something on it. Don't write a sentence, don't, don't, just one word. One word. Of your 35,000 decisions, are you perfect in every one? I don't want you talking. This is a thing between you and God. The rocks aren't going anywhere. We got more than enough. Just chill out. There's not a, you don't get a prize for being first. One word. I don't need you to write a paragraph. One word. Don't overthink it. You probably have plenty to choose from. Have you lied? Have you cheated? Have you manipulated someone? Have you told a white lie so that you didn't hurt their feelings? Have you ever disrespected your parents? Have you ever disrespected your church leaders? Have you ever done something that makes you feel gross and regret? Have you ever done something that you felt you need to hide from someone else? Is there something in your life you would never tell me about because you're too ashamed of what I would think? Or your camp leaders? 
Hang on to the rocks. You're gonna carry them all day. Don't talk. As soon as you get it done, I want you to sit down. ever done something that you think goes against what God's word says regardless of whether you think it's legit or unfair have you ever violated any principles in the Bible this isn't whether you think it's legit or not it's whether or not you have violated those principles I'll give you the ten commandments because those are super easy first one Thou shalt have no other God before me. Have you ever prized anything above God? A relationship, a sport, a possession. Thou shalt have no idols. Has there ever been something you loved and elevated to the space of God where you would let them drive you? Your friends, peer pressure, relationships. Don't use the Lord your God's name in vain. Have you ever used God to try to get your way? Prayed, tried manipulating God. Honor your father and mother. Have you done everything that your parents have asked with the right attitude, first time, every time? The Sabbath. It's a whole different one. I'm going to skip it because that's a hard one to explain. Nope, the Sabbath is not cheating on your wife. Murder. In the Bible, in Matthew, Jesus said, even if you think hatefully about someone, it is the same as murdering them. So it's not, have you killed someone? Have you taken the life away from someone? Have you ever just wished bad stuff on them adultery stealing have you ever cheated have you ever taken something that's not yours and claimed it to be yours lying have you ever just painted like a picture that makes you look a little bit better than the reality? It should be silent in here except my voice. Coveting. Have you ever wanted something of someone else's so bad? Those are the actions. What about your thoughts? Have you ever thought less of someone that you're better than them? Have you ever thought less about yourself? 
God says you are a valued creation. Have you ever had a negative thought about who you are? sharper than all you gotta do is find one thing one thing that's it have you missed the mark have you missed the shot One thing. Have you ever thought that you're better than someone? think it then hang on to the rock think about it today if you don't know what to write just hang on to your rock and think about it today all it takes is one miss Don't tell me how great of a basketball player you are. Just tell me, did you make every shot? Question isn't about your dribbling. It's not about your passing. It's not about how you even play the game. It's are you perfect? Your thoughts, your actions. over here guys y'all can move faster we got more over here Whether you wrote something down or not, how many can raise your hand and say, I couldn't throw the rock? There's a guy named Paul who wrote the New Testament. He said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Now, here's the thing is that you got to ask. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Here's the thing you got to ask yourself is if everyone has sinned, what's the big deal? right? We're all there. What does it matter? Everybody's doing it. God, maybe you should change because the people you created 
We keep screwing it up. But here's the interesting thing, that if you keep reading right after this incident, they're walking along, Jesus and his disciples, and he sees a man born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Here's the question. Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? And here's the thing that you and I know is that we feel consequences for sin. We feel that sin and consequences go hand in hand. I know I've prayed, God, this in my life isn't going good, and I do this prayer. God, if you fix this, I will change my life. I'll be different. And we go, we think that our lives and the things that go bad in our lives are because of sin. And as Jesus goes, that's actually not what it is. The penalty's worse than being born blind or having bad things happen in your life. Breaking the standard is way worse. There's a cost. And you know, I got four boys. So we have two, two versions of stuff in our house brand new and broken, right? There's no like gently used in my house. Uh, I, my son, we, I took him to McDonald's yesterday because um, he just loves McDonald's. And so we went and someone was kind and they gave him a Happy Meal toy. He goes, dad, I want to collect Happy Meal toys. I go, impossible. You've never had one for more than like a day without breaking it. Like my kids just break things. And usually there's that moment, you've been there, uh, that something breaks in your house and you know like, oh man, that's not good. I got to tell mom and dad. And you walk up and I walk into a room and I'm like, who broke this? And usually they all blame each other. And by the time I find the culprit, I'm like, who broke this? And the first thing the person that broke it says, it was an accident. Right? Right? Because they think like I won't be frustrated or mad or like we just bought this. It was an accident. I didn't mean to. My intentions weren't to break it. But here's the thing my kids don't know is whether it's an accident or it's on purpose, it doesn't change the cost of it. Let me put it to you like this. Let's say one of you is up here on stage and I'm just swinging my arms. I'm spinning around because there's music and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful day and yada, yada, yada. And man, I pop you right in the nose. And I look at you and go, I am so sorry. It was an accident. Does your nose stop hurting? No. So whether you do it on purpose or an accident, it doesn't matter. And so here's the question. What is the cost of sin? Paul said it like this. The wages, meaning what you get paid out for, wages is a working term. If you work this many hours, you'll get paid this much money. The wages of sin, it's death. And you might be thinking, well, we're all alive. What does it matter, right? Everyone's still here. Everyone's up. They can get up and ride on their rock. I'm so bad. I've screwed up, yada, yada, yada. It's a death you can't see right now. It's a life beyond this life. But here's the part you don't know. Sin comes with shame. And shame is like a parachute 
when you live life. Keeps you, creates a distance from God. You don't approach God because you're like, I can't, God is going to be mad at me. He's not mad, but we feel this shame. I can't do that because you don't know how bad of a person is. That shame. Sin has its consequences on this earth. And then the ultimate consequence is death. And so what is your greatest need that we talked about last session that Jesus came to fix? Is sin. But right now, if you have something on your rock, you deserve to die for it. Let's pray. God, sin has a cost and somebody has to pay. Whatever that thing is on their rock, somebody has to pay for it. And so, Father, I pray today as these kids carry around this rock all day, the weight of the rock represents the heaviness of the sin in their lives. And that they see it for the first time. But you were very clear. Either you made a shot or you missed it. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how, how much better you are than the people around you. You either make it or you miss it. It's light or dark, right or wrong. There's no in between. So God, I pray that we feel the heaviness of that today. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.